<laughs> Welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program known as Smoking and Toasting, the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by our good friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. My name is Cruz, my humble and uh, always available co-host. Well, not always available. We do Mostly through, available. Uh, yeah, somebody's phone's on, by the way. we got to... Uh, kill the Facebook live feed. I don't know who that is. That might be Adams. Oh, that was me, um, I think. So, Adam Andrus on the wheels of steel, by the way. And for those of you who are too young to appreciate the phrase wheels, wheels of, of steel, steel, yeah, that's that's what they used to say. It was it was never like really cool. It's only cool now in an ironic way, but that's what they used to say. Uh, that's how they used to describe the DJ. We'll just call him DJ Adam A. That's right, DJ Adam A. And now these days, the DJs don't use the wheels of steel, though. They do everything on computers. (laughs) The wheels of software. back in the day when it was like... But it doesn't sound as good. Yeah, no, I I agree. So, Ian, this... I just want to point out that Thursday... (laughs) I don't get very many days off, and Thursday is one of them, and you always make me come in and work. That's true. This you make me do this job. Yeah, this job where we taste and talk about cigars. You're, and you're the worst boss and, ever. You're the worst boss ever, indeed. <laughs> uh, uh, here's uh, something of note. It is show number. Wait, where's the drum roll? Seventy-five. Ooh. Today is today is Silver Jubilee, isn't it? I don't know. Is that seventy-five? Is that I, silver? Maybe. I don't know. I know it's not tin or or <laughs> balsa wood or whatever the early ones are. If I'm wrong, don't bother correcting me because it's it's, it's Silver not, Jubilee. From it's now not on. that important. It's Silver Jubilee. <laughs> that's that's so, the name of this episode, no matter what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we were going to name the episode "The Evils of Smoking Cigars" because like, I'm going to be sharing with you. A new uh, column that I stumbled across about I like that better. the evils of smoking cigars. So you can look forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, it is show number 75. Uh, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant. And this is the show where we talk about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars and other things. Uh, a Scandinavian tobacco group, STG, has acquired Thompson Cigars. And when I first saw that news item, I think I may have even mentioned it last week, mm-hmm. It didn't click to me that Scandinavian Tobacco Group also owns Cigars International. I didn't know and that. And Cigar.com. So they now own three of the four biggest um, mail order uh, cigar uh, places in the world, which is kind of interesting. That is kind of interesting. What's that going to do to prices, I wonder? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Now, one thing it will do is it will change availability, I think, because. Thompson will now have some of the CI and Cigar.com exclusive brands that other mail-order places don't get to sell. And I'm hoping that some of the Thompson things will also show up on CI and Cigar.com. Right. We'll see. And speaking <coughs> of which, CI, you need to put those Nico Libres on sale again. I'm oh, out. I have a, I have a couple. Yeah. Talk to okay, me. I yeah. might have to hit you up for Talk that. Talk to me after the show. <laughs> uh, we also will be giving you a cigar festival list through August. So wherever you are listening to the show, there could be a cigar festival near you that's uh, going to be coming up now between now and the end of the summer. So we'll be telling you about that. And four questions, four pressing questions for craft beer in 2018. These are the, the issues, as it were. Because 2017 was huge for craft beer. It really was. Yeah, I mean, it was, big time. It was a big, big time year. It was a pivotal year as far as uh, uh, just styles as well. Big, well, it was, yes. Big shift in, in style preferences and all kinds and of And it was, you know, the introduction of the uh, the Northeastern or New England IPA style, which yeah. kind of uh, came to prominence. It was a big year for sours. Right. It was a big year for anything barrel-aged, which re- that really kind of came into its own in 2017. And two of the most important things that happened uh, with beer in 2017 is Bell's got distribution here, mm-hmm. which is delicious, <laughs> and also um, uh, Revolver Brewing got distribution Revolver, here, which is which great, yes. Those two companies make some of my favorite beers. So. Now, what's interesting about craft beer in 2017 is that despite the fact that some of the largest producers of craft beer, in terms of just volume and overall sales, despite the fact those were acquired by the big boys, so they no longer count in the survey and, and and addition for craft beer craft beer still had another big growth year so even though those guys are no longer part of the total which you know carbach and wicked weed and some mm-hmm. of the other no longer part of the total the the total was still 
elevated from where it had been the year before. And uh, so we'll talk about that and some of the questions which face craft beer in 2018. But it's been, uh, I actually have a story which I'll share some of the stuff from you. Craft beer is the strangest, happiest economic story in America. I love that. So that's uh, so it's very cool. So we'll talk about that. Speaking of craft beer, we're going to be trying some interesting ones today. Harpoon has released their uh, seasonal spring. Harpoon, one of my favorite breweries out of Boston, Massachusetts. It's the Fresh Tracks Spring Pale Ale, and we'll be trying that. Interesting. Uh, yep. Odell Brewing Company's seasonal is out as well. It's the Settle Down Brown. Actually, this one's been out for a while. Odell I've had Settle Collins. Down Brown. Yeah, I like Settle. I had Down a feeling Brown. you were yeah, going to like it's that. It's good. And then really interesting today. NOLA and Brewery Tarot, both out of New Orleans, have teamed up and done one of those collaboration beers, and it's called Cattywampus Barrel-Aged Sour Stout. Okay, now I grew up we'll in Liberty, this. Texas, all yes. right? So the only place I'd ever actually heard Cattywampus before yeah? was in Liberty, Texas. Well, I, I just love the word. And then, like, two months ago, my wife said something, and she mentioned that it was Cattywampus. <laughs> so, and here and it I've is. I've been it, relentlessly teasing her about a, it. It's a Cattywampus and now you kind send of me year this. for you already. So. Uh, I bought it just because of the name <laughs> to try. And then as I, after I got it home was looking at it, I was like, oh, this is Two awesome New Orleans breweries. Nice. Yeah, so, Brewery uh, Tarot yeah, has yeah. great, great stuff. Right. And Nola's a great brewery as well. So mm-hmm. we'll also be sampling a Copita Reposado Tequila from Mexico. So we're looking forward to doing our sampling for the week. Our uh, cigar sampling, of course, was done before the show since we're in the studio. So that begs the question, Ian, have you smoked anything interesting lately? Why, yes, I did. I uh, So when we had... Um, well, I think last when we went on and saw um, Nimish. Patel, yes. Patel. Oh, no, not Patel. Nimish Desai of Rocky Nimish Patel. Nimish Desai, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. blanking on that. I don't know why. He's a part of the Patel family, but he, his last uh, name is He Desai. laid on us a few of the uh, Rocky Patel cigars, and I smoked one the other day that is basically a chocolate candy bar wow. of a cigar. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to describe this cigar in the best way I know how. First off, dark brown wrapper. I had the... Um, was the uh, Robusto size. Mm-hmm. Um, dark, oily brown wrapper. Beautiful purple lab- label is the private seller selection. Yeah. I think you got one, too. I don't know mm-hmm. if you smoked it yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's still um, in the humidor. But be ready for this. Yeah. So it starts off, and it is big and wonderful and delicious. The minute you light it, it's this big, wonderful, sweet, chocolatey kind of mocha cigar kind Rocky's of Rocky's done it again, apparently. And the more you smoke this, the more mocha and sweet it gets until you actually feel like you're having s'mores next to a campfire. Oh, like, that's what the cigar tastes like. For a it's cigar, like that's pretty, It's like hot chocolate and s'mores next to a campfire. Wow. Is the flavors I had going on in my mouth. This thing was amazing. I and can't it wait. it smoked brilliant. Like, this yeah. is, if you want a cigar for someone who goes, hmm, I don't like a cigar that it, it, you know, is one dimensional or just like a regular cigar. This thing, without being an infused cigar or any of that other stuff, mm-hmm. this was just a chocolate bomb. Wow, chocolate espresso. I mean, it was amazing. It had just enough of the the uh, uh, smoke and the traditional cigar in it to keep it, you know, grounded. I I'd smoked it until it burned my fingers pretty much. It I is. I was going to give this cigar. Yeah. Price I'm quality? gonna give this a solid six, six and a half. Yeah, and it's because, not a cheap cigar. No, because, it's not yeah. a cheap cigar. But it was so good, I, it left me wanting more. It's like it's like I just ran out of chips and I wanted one more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the Doritos thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, supposedly there's some sort of uh, chemical in Doritos that causes you to crave another one. I've read that somewhere. I can get behind that conspiracy on the internet. theory. And you know everything you read on the internet is true. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. As I get older, I just subscribe to more and more conspiracy theories. Oh, things. yes. It's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, I had a Rocky Patel cigar this week as well. However, <coughs> it was the cigar that I chose to smoke for my Super Bowl cigar, and my team lost. So I just really don't have the heart yeah, thank you. I appreciate your uh, I appreciate your sympathy. Uh, my team lost, so I, I just I was like, and I'm not reviewing it on the show. It was good. That's all I'll say. But I do want to talk about. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You 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 know it's uh, everyone who everyone uh, they hate us because they ain't us is what they okay. is what they say. So I want to talk but about your lose. cigar really quickly. Yes. Um, you posted that you were going to smoke that after I halftime. I actually had that one set aside and smoked it for halftime, and I didn't review it today because I figured you were going to review it. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I I'm glad you reviewed the one that you did, by the way, because uh, I have to figure out which of my uh, game rituals 
I have to get rid of because my team didn't win the game, right? So it's either either I can't smoke the 20th during a game anymore or I have to put on my jersey at a different time before the game starts or I have to not have my dog Gracie wear the Patriots sweater that I got. One of those things screwed it up. I mean, you know, it gets complicated because you could just shift all those things one side. Yeah. So you could, like, you could wear the sweats and then um, smoke the cigar at the beginning of the uh, – yeah, at the beginning of the uh, the game, yeah. and then have Gracie wear the jersey. I would look pretty ridiculous. Or you could just keep going the, in a yeah, circle like yeah. that until you find the right combination. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, I was going to talk about that cigar, but we didn't win, so um, so I'm not going to talk about that cigar. <laughs> I'm going to talk instead about uh, something that I smoked actually yesterday. Uh, it was the Camacho Powerband Robusto. Comes in a silver tube, like a lot of the Camachos are, are tubos now. And it's made with an Ecuadorian Habana 2000 wrapper, a San Andreas Negrito binder, and then Honduran, Nicaraguan, and Dominican fillers, including lots of Lijero tobacco. This is a bomb of a cigar. The pre-light was rich and promising. Uh, this is, I actually wrote this down from the cigar label. It's designed to feel the rush of adrenaline, force of acceleration, and release of endorphins that you would feel from riding a motorcycle. That's what this power band Robusto. And apparently the word power band refers to, and I'm not a motorcycle guy, but apparently it, it refers to that moment in the acceleration of the motorcycle when it's performing at its optimum am i getting that right yep yeah you, okay so so anyway that's what power band apparently means so it was a powerful cigar from the first puff but interestingly enough not overpowering i was kind of expecting that based on what i read on the band uh but it wasn't it was it was strong but not too strong peppery very peppery lots of wood and apple fruit uh, notes it burned well which was nice to see from a Camacho because they We've really had went issues through. With them yeah, they really went through some construction issues for a while. The pepperiness got more aggressive as the cigar smoked, but I did like it overall. A pretty good cigar, but it's an eleven dollars stick, mm, and it's a robusto, and it's good. But I've had more enjoyable eight dollar and even quite frankly five dollar uh, robustos. Wow. So price to quality, I'm going to give it a four. At eight bucks, I'd give it a five and a half. But at eleven, um, just I'm, I'm going to give it a four. That's like, that's the top end of premium, right? Well, there. it really is. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be compared, and it's a robusto. It's not an eleven dollar big long cigar. It's eleven dollar robusto. So uh, I, I felt like it was good, but maybe not quite worth the price. So, all right, we'll be back. We have lots of tasting to do, plus uh, the evils of smoking cigars. We'll tell you why and maybe how to protect yourself. Coming up, it's the <laughs> smoking and toasting. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 75, and we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Much love to our buddy Jeremiah at b mm -hmm. When are we going to see him again? Jeremiah, Yeah, we, we, we want never call, you never write. We want some bacon, brother. <laughs> we don't love Jeremiah, we just love the bacon. Email. Yeah, yeah, right. There that, what does that even mean anymore? No, no. I'm not sure. This, <laughs> I don't know what this means. Like, uh, I don't know what this means. I've been watching uh, Gotham uh, on uh, Fox. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually been watching it on Netflix, but um, it's set back in the days before Bruce Wayne becomes Batman, so he's still young, and so it's set like in the past, but not that far in the past. And it's just so funny watching them all use the flip phones. The They've got cell phones, phone. but it's the flip phones. <laughs> Pretty I had a uh, what did I have? I had a flip phone. Yeah, yeah, I had a flip phone. I thought it was Captain Kirk, you know, from <laughs> an Enterprise. Uh, so cigar festivals are about to unleash themselves upon the uh, lucky uh, smoking populace of the United States. <clears throat> so I thought I'd tell you about a few of them, and you can go Google the ones that are near you, and uh, and find out what it what it takes. The Underground Cigars NFG. 18 in Fort Worth, Texas, is the 9th through the 11th of 
March. It is uh, described as the largest boutique show in Texas, and it's a three-day extravaganza with 16 different manufacturers, cigar maker meet and greets, a fish fry, all kinds of Bloody Mary Sunday brunch, uh, all kinds of fun stuff, and it is from the Underground Cigar Shop and Lounge in Fort Worth is the people who put this Now, one wouldn't it be terrible if we had a road trip to the B&B yeah, it would, on it would, that Thursday? That would just be awful, wouldn't it? And then we were stuck there for the weekend yeah, at a cigar had, and festival. had to participate in and the had cigar, to participate festival. In a cigar festival. On March 23rd through the 25th, it's Stogie Fest in Jacksonville, Florida. It's hosted by Aroma Cigar and Lounge, the seventh annual Stogie Fest, which is dubbed, I don't know if this is true or not, but they refer to it as the largest annual cigar and tobacania, tobacania gathering in northern Florida. Tobacania, did I say that right? T-O-B-A-C-A-N-N-I-A. Tabacania. Tabacania. I'm sure I'm pronouncing Tabacania. it. April the 4th through the 9th is the Smokeout 2018 in Las Vegas, Nevada. The 19th year for a five-day not-for-profit event for cigar and pipe studs, bikers, and leathermen. Uh, Smokeout. I love the name of that. Show, pool, and cocktail parties, dinners, cigar crawls, scotch and cigar social, motorcycle fun, and a poker party. Pretty fun, huh? April 14th. I, I don't even know what a cigar crawl is, but I kind of want to be idea. a part of well, that. Well, I know what a pub crawl is. Yeah. So maybe for a cigar crawl, you, you know, go to different cigar places and have a different cigar at each one. And I that's know. a time commitment there. Love that. See, that, <laughs> right. that that's amazing. If, if we don't get to go to this, let's just do one of our own. Right. Let's just do it. <laughs> uh, on April 14th, Houston, Texas, the Texas Cigar Festival, hosted by Sirius Cigars, which is now Casa de Monte Cristo. Uh, and it is uh, this has been held there since 1960, believe it or not. Uh, ticket holders will receive an impressive gift bag with cigars, meet industry celebrities, and eat and drink to their contentment. Both VIP and general admission seats are available. Go to casademontecristo.com for is information. That it's April 14th. Ooh. So let me just give you a few others. Lake Harmony, Pennsylvania is Cigar Fest. This is the one hosted by Cigars International. This one is supposed to be one of the biggest cigar events in the world. Uh, it is May the 3rd through the 6th. On May 19, Hoboken, New Jersey, smoking on the Hudson. Uh, cigar Cruise around Manhattan, hosted by Casa de Monte Cristo, in conjunction with JR Cigars. The Lone Star Cigar Bash in Halotas is June the 2nd from Fink Cigars. Uh, June 6th through the 10th, the Napa Valley Jazz Getaway in Napa, uh, California, which includes five days of jazz, wine, food, and cigars. Smoking in the Carolinas in Burlington, North Carolina, on June the 8th. The Rocky Patel Cigar Cruise is June the 11th through the 16th. It's called Shipwrecked 2018, <laughs> and it's a one-of-a-kind event uh, based at uh, Capa de Campo off the Caribbean coast of La Romana, Dominican Republic. So, And I'm sure Rocky and the family will all be there, so that should be fun. Uh, June 19th, the Wine, Spirits, and Cigar Festival in Washington, D.C. Uh, July 20, uh, 13th through the 17th, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Trade Show, or IPCPR, in Las Vegas is a, is a big deal. The Brew City Cigar Festival in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on August 18th. And on August 25th, the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival in Broomfield, Calif Broomfield Calif uh, Colorado. And there is one more on August 25th, the Cigar Bourbon and Beer Festival in Fredericksburg, Virginia. That sounds like fun, Are you fun, ready for a road fun. trip, my friend? <laughs> I, I, they all sound good to me. So just so you know, the one that's uh, uh, here in Houston is pretty close to my birthday. Nudge, yeah. nudge, wink, oh, wink. Oh, uh, well, it's good for you to bring that I'm up. Just, I'm, I'm so happy. Just letting you know I that. suppose you'd be hoping for a VIP ticket. Not I, You know, I was just mentioning that mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. just yeah. in case you were keeping that you know well, month thank you for open to celebrate thank you for bringing that up <laughs> i appreciate speaking it. speaking of which mm -hmm. oh that sound yeah it wasn't as loud as i wanted it to be but that was popping the top on a harpoon fresh tracks described as a bright floral hoppy spring pale ale now i know a bit about harpoon because of uh the years that i spent living in boston and uh, Harpoon has had a spring beer, which was more of a, a like a, a a lighter, I almost want to say it's just a lighter ale, sort of like a, 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 a an amber, perhaps. Uh, this looks the same color as that did, but I have a feeling that it's going to be much different uh, in taste based on the way it is described. It's described as bright golden with citrus and pine notes. A clean, light, and ready for spring ale, and then it says on the uh, on the bottle, hibernation be damned, 
get outside and make some fresh tracks. Hooray for spring. So uh, I'll pass a little of this over to Adam on the wheels as well. <coughs> Excuse me. And we'll do, a, we'll do a little tasting here. First, on the, on the nose, you get that citrus aroma right away. Uh, you can tell this is the gonna citrus be one is big. Yeah, you can tell this is going to be one of those. It's interesting that it's a pale ale and not an IPA. Uh, and Harpoon, of course, already produces you know New England IPA styles. So it this smells like an IPA. A it smells like a very summery, citrusy IPA, mm. if you ask me. But you know, it drinks a little bit differently. It drinks a little lighter and more refreshing. IPA usually has that heavier hop bottom to it. Uh, it says on the bo- on the um, on the bottle, our brewery parking lot can be a pretty good indication of the season. Some cars have ski pa- ski racks, others are decked with bike racks, some even have both. Spring here keeps us on our toes, so we're always ready for anything. That okay. citrus, I think, translates very directly into um, lemon and grapefruit. Yeah, I like this a lot. The this grapefruit is, on the end is a nice addition. This is like right to this. down the path for my palate. I like this I could very see this much, as yeah. just a fantastic summer beer. Mm-hmm. The color is beautiful on it. What I like about it is it has the refreshingness that I usually look for in those summer sort of lighter beers, but it has a little more of the hop flavor to it uh, without without being bitter or making you feel. The, it reminds me a little of the Founders All Day IPA. Right, the level kind of, of carbonation on this as mm-hmm. well yes. uh, is is there. It's carbonated, mm-hmm. it's present, but it's not over carbonated, so you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're drinking. A little bit of it, and all of a sudden you have burp and everything else. <laughs> I tell you what, the guys at Harpoon, and Harpoon is one of the one of a number of uh, breweries that are employee owned, but they've been that way uh, since um, much earlier than some of the uh, other breweries were even open because this brewery's been around for a little while, and they're in uh, Boston and in Vermont as well. They have two different breweries, and uh, so you find them all over New England. But they've done a pretty good job of getting kind of like uh, kind of like Shiner has done. You can find Shiner obviously right. all over in Texas, but you can also find it just about anywhere you go. If you yeah? go, my brother lives in International Falls, Minnesota. Yes, now, this is remote. Yes, okay. The nearest mall is two and a half hours. That's actually a good thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But you can go into <laughs> the yes. liquor store uh, that's not far from his house and find Shiner. And find Shiner. Like yeah, Shiner's so gotten they've done, all over the place. They've, they've done a great done job, a job with, with distribution. With their There's distribution, no question. yes. And they make some damn good beer, too. So, uh, But but Harpoon, I think, uh, I, you know, they're, they were an early favorite for me. Because I think I've told the story on the show before that it was the Harpoon IPA that sort of graduated me towards hoppier uh, beers. It was the one that really put me in that wow. Another category. interesting thing about this particular beer is uh, the aftertaste um, kind of goes away. It has a little bitter, a little yes. grapefruit. It goes away and then leaves this sweet... Um, Sweet malty kind of thing just laying yes. on the back of the tongue. One of the things Very that, interesting. that comes to my mind about this is that it's a hoppy beer that I could drink and still have a cigar. Because as yeah. we talked about, the the hop bitterness can actually really interfere with yes. your enjoyment yes. of the cigar. But I think this one finishes so clean. Especially if you have like a peppery cigar. Right. The peppery and the and, bitter. And yeah. the, hop, the hop can kind of fight yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, but this finishes so clean and has a little bit of that citrus uh, uh Sort of citrus and malt sort of finish to it that it uh, I think really would leave the palate receptive. So I'm I'll be for interested it. to try this. You're for it. I I'm love for that. It. See, uh, you're, uh, what, one of the things I love about you is I, that you, will you will take a stand. You will take a stand. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Okay, coming up on the show, the evils of smoking cigars. We'll talk about that coming up in one of our next segments. Also, uh, still to come, we'll be tasting. Although Ian has let out of the bag that he's tasted this before. I have tasted this. Before. Odell Brewing Company's. Uh, I think it's their winter seasonal. Uh, Settle down, Brown. But we still got our hands on some, even though the the spring beers are coming out. I'll now. have to look it up because I think the Settle Down Brown is actually a, a, a variation of their little something ale. Or it's the other way around. Well, a little something is from Lagunitas, isn't it? I think it is. Oh, no, I'm mixing my brands, aren't Ah, I? Ah, yes. This is Odell, which is from Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Let me go bash my head during the break here. That's okay, and we will take a break coming up. But uh, (laughs) we will also be tasting the Copita, Reposado Tequila, and then, of course, Caddy Wampus, the uh, brewery... um, the two breweries together, Nola and Brewery Tarot. So that's a barrel-aged sour stout, so I'm sure you're probably not going to like it, Ian. 
No, that's that's not doesn't up my sound alley like you. Does not it? even remotely. <laughs> By the way, anybody out there working for solo cups, I need you guys to hit me up. I have a blue solo oh, you, cup today. You went blue today, right? Now I went well. I did this for a reason because there's that red solo cup song. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to stick that in everyone's head. Well, thank you. We thank you. Because if you for keep that. saying red solo cup, except that you've now said it twice. Well, if you keep saying red solo cup over yeah, and see, over again. This is, uh, <laughs> damn it, Ian. But, so I brought a blue one so I won't get it stuck in my head. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Every time you pick the cup up. The and, blue solo cup. Yeah. But, yes, so I need someone uh, someone from solo cups to, to get in touch with me. Yes. Uh, because we go through a lot of cups on this show. Yes, we do. I mean, we, we have a lot of tasters. We go through a lot of cups. So uh, a solo cup. Sponsorship will be a wonderful see, I'm thing. I'm not using a solo cup, but if we had a sponsor, but that's because you're protesting it right now because they're not sponsoring us. But if we had a sponsor, I would all of that's course right. be using that's a, right. a solo cup. So, all right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting, and uh, it's show number seventy-five. Oh, this job's pretty fun. <laughs> You're listening to Smoking and Toasting, or watching in the case of our friends on Facebook Live. And by the way, let me just mention this, because there's so many different ways now to get the show, and thank you for pointing. Um, there's so many different ways to get the show now. We uh, do Facebook Live every time we do the show, so we're available on Facebook Live. There are some weeks where a few people share it, and there's some weeks where thousands of people share it. We love those weeks that are thousands. Those are our yes. favorite weeks. Uh, but we encourage you, if you are watching or listening on Facebook Live, uh, to um, to to share it with your friends. Or even if you're at work and you can't really like you know watch it right at, at the moment that it's live, and you can watch it later, you can see the Facebook Live video, uh, go ahead and hit that share. We appreciate it. And Absolutely. Look, go to the Smoking and Toasting Facebook page, and it's underneath where it says Smoking and Toasting is Live, you just hit that little arrow where it says share, and then it'll share it to your uh, friends. And we appreciate you doing that. That's how that, we get our name out there, that everybody. That helps us grow, and we appreciate it. Uh, we're also available on uh, Apple uh, Music Podcast. Uh, we're available uh, for those of you of the Android persuasion. We are available on uh, the Google Play. Uh, That's me. System. That's you. You're an Android. You switched over. You're an I Android switched. guy now. Yep. You, uh, you switched. Uh, and then we also are available on YouTube. Uh, you can get us at SoundCloud, too, because that's sort of where the show lives is mm-hmm. at SoundCloud. Uh, and we have a SoundCloud page. But you can also get us on YouTube, which is a fun way to be able to watch the video. So, so yeah, if you can't find us, you're actually not typing and smoking and toasting in any yeah. device. Right, or smoking, apostrophe, and toasting, apostrophe. <laughs> right. uh, so, so try those things. But, yeah, we're, we're findable is the point. And if you're not able to watch the show live, it usually takes until, like, a little bit later in the afternoon uh, or so of the day that, the show airs and it'll be up on, uh, on and i just want to point out too 74 shows ago when we did our first one which is yes. now available on every media we just said yes we didn't have all that available no we didn't we, we had, were just a podcast we were just and, a yeah. podcast and we were just on the radio brave mm-hmm. and so we had to do it at specific times and mm-hmm. and it was only aired at specific times and then uh and then with the event of the podcast becoming so popular we made it available Anywhere, anytime. Yes. I love that. That's exciting because now you can kind of control when uh, you want to watch it. But we appreciate you sharing it because that's that's what helps – other people that you know that might be interested in this know about it, and we that we like talking to people like that. So, the, plus it makes you look cool. Uh, a new poll is out: the surprising state that produces the most craft beer. It is not California, which may surprise some people. Is, is it Texas? Just due to its is, sheer, sheer it, size? It is not Texas. No, what? It is not Texas. So you'd expect California to have the most craft breweries, and they do. They are number one with the most craft breweries, and Washington is number two in Colorado, and then New York, and then Oregon. But basically, based on amount of beer per capita, which is how this poll was done, Vermont (laughs) is the number one state of craft craft brews produced per capita, or actually even gallons consumed per capita. Uh, Vermont uh, is 19.8 gallons per capita for the number one spot. Number two at 12.9 is Pennsylvania. And I will mention, by the way, Yangling is included in that Pennsylvania title. Oh, yeah. Which actually surprises me that they're not number one. Because Yangling, even though it's a craft beer, because it's not owned by one of the big guys, right. it's huge. I it's mean, huge. It's, it's enormous. That um, is, by the way, the oldest operating brewery in the United yes, States. Yes, it is. At number three, this blew my mind. Alaska. 
What? Alaska. Yep. I guess it has to be per capita. What else well, is going to do? Well, per capita is part of it. Right. <laughs> right. Like, what else is there to do? Because the population is not as large. But based on, a, a, you know, a, compared to the population uh, and what they're consuming, yeah. yeah they're I mean, you got to figure, okay, if me and you were living in, in Alaska right now, um, the conversation would go something like this. Cruz, what are you going to do this winter? I'm going to watch my beer sit there and get good. <laughs> You're right. And and uh, I can tell you from living in Boston and having some parties in the winter that I would just take the beer outside and stick it in the snow. Oh, yeah. And it's the perfect way to you do it. You save a lot on ice. Perfect way to do it. You don't have to buy all that ice. Uh, here in Texas, we buy a lot of ice. A lot of yes, ice. It's it's what we do. Uh, number four is Oregon, which that doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that they made the right. top five. That's a pretty trendy hipster sort of state. And Colorado does come in on the list at number five. So craft beer um, is, um, actually it even says in the article here, Yangling's inclusion is probably what, Keeps Pennsylvania uh, up on the tops in the total number of craft beer produced each year, some 3.9 million, uh, ahead of uh, second place California at 3.3 million barrels. So just in total barrels produced, Pennsylvania, thanks to wow, uh, thanks to uh, and Yingling's uh, gotten a uh, bigger one. distribution in the last few years, I believe. Well, too. they east, are now, a lot of East Coast uh, distribution. We can't get them in Texas, no, but when no. I was vacationing with a family in Florida, you get it in Yingling Florida all day, man. Yeah. And and we had, in fact, that was where I snagged the Yingling Light, which I brought back for the um, uh, light beer. Uh, blind Taste Test 2.0, right? and it was my favorite number one. The other guys yeah. didn't like it as well. Uh, you know, I like their number. lager. Their uh, porter is outstanding as I well. I haven't had the Yingling, Yingling Porter. Yingling Porter is outstanding. Yeah, that, would be, that would be something to taste. Speaking of tasting, it's time to taste some brown. The Settle Down Brown from Odell Brewing Company, and we established, by the way, during the break, you heard us talking about this if you're on Facebook Live, that this is not the beer Ian was thinking. No, it's not. So you have not had this. I have not. Oh, well. I was wrong, sir. I was wrong. Um, maybe my mic has turned down a little bit more today. It doesn't feel like I'm getting the same not getting uh, the pop out of it same sound effect that I usually did. Odell, I think, is a fabulous uh, brewing company. They are out of Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. Ninety shilling. And yes, oh, that's ninety shilling. So good. That it's beer is so good. It says beer. in the winter months, uh, somewhere between work hard and play hard, uh, there's a moment that naturally seems to occur. A moment where you can sit back. It's kind of hard for me to read this because the print is so small. Sit back and relax with a good friend and, well, settle in. And it's moments like these that inspired us to create Settle Down Brown, the American brown that has such a rich malt flavor and complex tropical fruit and caramel notes. So this is a seasonal from Odell. And uh, I'm, you know... I didn't used to be as big of a fan of, of of browns as I have found myself to be lately. You know, these days I'm enjoying uh, a couple of brown ales, and and you know what's what's the one that's so popular that everybody uh, the brown that everybody um, that you can find almost almost anywhere. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, Are you talking about Newcastle? Not, Newcastle. Oh thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I used to just, that would be okay. I would drink it if I didn't have you know anything else. Uh, available at a party or what? These days, I just love it. Newcastle is a great beer. It's, it really is. Really is a great beer. I, uh, so. uh, in my in my roaring twenties, yes. um, I used to hang out at a bar over in the Montrose area, and um, and they had Newcastle on tap. Oh, nice! Which I would drink only if they were out of the St. Arnold Brown Ale. On oh, tap. so you like the St. Arnold Brown, do you? On tap, it's mm-hmm. outstanding. Yeah. Especially. Well, this obviously is not on tap, as I spill a little bit by bumping <laughs> into the microphone. Uh, this is obviously not on tap, but it is the Settle Down Brown from Odell, and I will tell you, not unexpectedly, but malt on the nose big time. Big time. Well, when you mm. see that rich, dark, uh, molassesy kind of color to it. You just expect that malt profile to Man, happen. This beer is delicious. This is like it's almost like a malt milkshake. With this with, is with uh, very similar. Um, if you've ever had an actual malt milkshake, that malt powder mm-hmm. that they use mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they accidentally don't mix it up right, and you get a clump of it. Yes, and it's a it's like a little treat. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. a lot like that. <laughs> well, it's got a little more. Uh, like I, I think about the um, the brown ale that we were mentioning, the Newcastle, and and I think of that as as sort of a thinner viscosity wise. This is a little bit thicker, not like a, you know, not like a porter necessarily, but but it's a little bit a little bit thicker, a little bit bigger mouth. mouth feel. Yeah. It has a uh, you know today must be like the day of carbonation, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just me. 
But the carbonation is right on, too. It's not as much carbonation as most beer. Right. But then again, a lot of darker ales mm-hmm. don't have don't that, have nor much. do they yes, need that right. as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's They don't absolutely need that right. crispness, but it has enough to keep it interesting, and it sits on and under the tongue really nicely. I'm pretty impressed with this Settle Down Brown from Odell. I picked this up at Specs, but I assume it's relatively easy to find. Odell Brewing Company out of Fort Collins. This is a 6.3% uh, alcohol by volume. Nice. Yeah. All right, so... Well, right, for, so, for my taste, I'd call that sessionable. So the evils of smoking cigars. Today's discussion topic. This I I ran across a great column, and I really enjoyed reading this from Ed Goldman. All right, uh, so the, I saw this in the show notes, and yes. I have no idea what this is about. So I'm I'm just as newbie as you guys are to the evils of. Well, Ed Goldman is a columnist in the Sacramento Business Journal, and he wrote what I thought was a very entertaining column, and I wanted to share some of the thoughts from it with you. Um, why he asked, do movies always depict the bad guys? as cigar smokers, or vice versa. In countless westerns, the guy smoking the cigar is the evil town banker who's about to foreclose on Widow Wilson's half-acre cauliflower farm because ever since her husband was killed in a gunfight with one of the banker's hired men who accused him of cheating at cribbage or something, uh, she's been neither able to make the monthly mortgage payment nor, of course, uh, bring in a wagon load of cauliflower to the town's farmer's market. And while he's not an evil banker, and I'm reading this from Ed Goldman's column, who it should be noted is always seen smoking what appears to be a very fine cigar as a further insult to his impoverished customers, he is the hired killer, uh, chewing on a cheroot, you know, one of those little cigars. So, so the evil banker is always smoking the big, fat, expensive cigars, but the more, like, everyday man, the killer... Is smoking those little cheroots like Clint also, Eastwood smokes in in also uh, Boss Hog, right? <coughs> Boss Hog, that's right. Uh, and but uh, he had a cool car. You know, I mean, the Longhorns on the Cadillac was and pretty Ed, awesome. Ed Golden points out neither the farmer or any of the shock church going town folk are ever cigar smokers in these in these movies. They don't even chew the occasional stick of dentine chewing gum, although it'd make for a, a delicious break in the day. Uh, anyway, uh, equating cigar smoking and evil doing isn't just for westerns. The Godfather films, you never see the title character, Vito Corleone. You never see him with a cigar, but uh, the rival dons, the bad, bad guys, are always smoking a cigar. Always. Huh. You know, I watched the Daredevil series on Netflix, and, uh, you know, the Kingpin smokes a cigar. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of cigar smoking going on. And then he goes on uh, to point out that even George Pappard. On the A-team, who smoked a cigar on the A-team, he was kind of a bad good guy, if you think about it. Right. You know, he, he had, that, had that edge to him, uh, as it were. The anti-hero-ish. So, right. so this is what this is about. The evils of smoking cigars is basically that's how we're depicted. We who smoke cigars are always depicted as the bad guys in the stories. You never hear about the hero huh. walked out chomping a cigar and saved the day. So we need to lean on producers to yes. use their cigar uh, smokers for good, not for that, evil. That's right. Because, because that's the thing. With great power, and we're going to co-opt this for, gar- for cigars, with great cigars comes great responsibility. And I choose to use my cigars well, well said, for good. <laughs> it's smoking and toasting. It's show number seventy-five, and uh, thank you, Ed Goldman. By the way, uh, uh, Google Ed Goldman and uh, cigars, and you'll find this article. It's a very, nice. very enjoyable read. And we're smoking and toasting. And we'll be right back to taste us some. I wonder if people tequila. see me as evil when I'm smoking a cigar. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's a program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Um, this is show number 75, and we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And uh, so our, our tasting item for this, uh, for this segment is the Copita Tequila Reposado. And uh, during the uh, during the break, uh, although Facebook Live got to you know uh, see how awkward I can be, um, the uh, I was I was looking at the bottle and discovered oh this is a really different kind of tequila because it actually you have to actually open it like you open a wine bottle. It's got a cork in the top, but it doesn't have one of those 
you know, tops that you can grab and pull the cork out by hand. I also want to point out that the bottle was obviously designed by someone who was uh, drinking said tequila because yep. the, the shot glass is inside the, the bottle. shot glass inside the bottle, just like that. And I don't know whether you're supposed to finish tequila, break the bottle, and get the shot glass out. Or Which seems you, to be a little after the fact. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and what like if, now I don't need this. What if my next bottle of tequila is not Copita Tequila Reposado? Maybe you just I, have to get one bottle ahead. Well, as I was uh, attempting to open and I decided to do this during the break, so the awkwardness of it wouldn't come over during the show, uh, because I, all I had was this little plastic top. So uh, we didn't get the calming opener. and wonderful uh, cork pop. A cork pop, yeah. Uh, but you did. But get here we me, go. Let me let me see if I can just me, do that for you. Okay. Boom. See, that's so much better than what actually happened, because what actually <laughs> happened was I pulled the cork out, and there was a small sound, but then there was me dropping the f bomb and uh, <laughs> spilling tequila all over myself. So now. I smell like tequila, but you know what? I smell delicious. Yes. <laughs> so let's hope that this you tequila. You smell agave-licious. Let's hope that this tequila tastes as good as I smell. <coughs> I have not had the copita. I bought this this, uh, this this last week at Specs. It is from uh, Mexico, and it is 100% agave, as you would expect, and 40% alcohol by volume. This is the Reposado, though, not the Añejo. So. Uh, so it'll be interesting to taste because, you know, uh, the the aging in tequila, Reposado is kind of the middle, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, Añejo is the is the top unless you go with the extra Añejo. Uh, by the way, I saw a bottle of the extra Añejo for mm-hmm. Patron. It's $230. That's all? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's not that I wouldn't pay it, but what scares me about paying that much is what if you get it and the Copita Tequila Reposado is better? You know what I mean? Like, what if it's what if it's just okay, right? Because when you pay two hundred and thirty dollars for a bottle of tequila, you want you want to have that yeah one it, that you're going to keep in your amazing, bar for a right? long time. You're only going to bring out for very special occasions with good friends. You know? Well, you got to think. Okay, so up to up to say about a hundred dollars for a bottle of anything, right? Whether it's you never know. It could whatever. be wildly sure. It could be wildly I've had thirty dollar bottles things. that are better than eighty dollar bottles. Right, but but you got to hope that once you break the hundred dollar mark, you got to be at least this good. You would hope. Yes. You know, you got to be at least this good. You would hope. Hundred dollars comes in here. Over a hundred comes in here, and you got to be at least this good, no matter what. Well, I'll tell you. Since we are open, and I'm now trying to remember how much this cost, but I want to say it was right around thirty dollars. So it wasn't expensive, although you can certainly get a reposado. In the high teens to the twenties, depending on what you buy, I want to say like the um, the what is the one I'm thinking of? The is it the Sousa Reposado? Sousa. Uh, it's a pretty good Reposado for about eighteen dollars. You know the uh, so it just depends on it just depends on what you're getting and and what you're tasting. But um, uh, anyway, a little pricey maybe for a Reposado, but not ridiculous. So uh, I'm very curious to see how this one goes and what it tastes like. I do already know what it smells like because it smells like my shirt. So uh, uh, not not that the tequila smells like my shirt, but more that my shirt smells like tequila. I just, like I just want tequila. to point out, where, so. do you, where do you do your laundry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how can you get them to do yours? Right. Oh, uh, I will say this is wonderful. I just on smell the like smell like tequila. Or wait, no, does that smell like shirt? Yeah, I will say this well, is wonderful. On the, the nose. lines are blurred there. Yes, they are. They are very blurry, and it's they might so be even sweet more smelling. It really is. It's it very sweet smelling, and that surprises me a little for a reposado because you normally the sweetness comes from the aging and 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 what barrels it's potentially aged in. Uh, the if it's aged in like oak barrels, some tequilas aged in silver barrels, some's aged in in uh, in in oak barrels, but usually that's what imparts the sweetness. So very interesting in a reposado to be smelling that kind of sweetness. And it'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, and it's, it's right up front. Like a lot of times too. when you smell tequila, you smell that agave right up front. You smell the uh you smell a lot of the uh even the liquor itself. You smell the alcohol up front. Uh, but this one is sweet, like right in your face kind of sweet. Wow. It's it's wow. It's wow. For a reposado tequila, if you told me this was an añejo, I would believe you. It's it's got a pretty good degree of smoothness for a reposado. It's got uh, a bit of a burn to it, but it's a, a pleasant burn. Right. It's not like not a bad burn kind of way. I mean, I've had I've had rums that had more burn than this. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not. Now, it's not like the Skelly. I'll bring up my favorite añejo in the world. <laughs> that's uh, that, pretty amazing. That's so smooth. It's like, is this really even tequila? Yeah. If it didn't taste kind of tequila-ish, you would really wonder <laughs> because it's so smooth. So it's not that smooth. But I got to tell you, this is quite good. Quite look at good. how uh, look at how the liquid even looks. It's it's kind of thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sits and holds on to the glass. It's got big legs in. Um, in mm-hmm. uh, uh, wine terms, in wine terms. So yes, it's got yes. a bit of oil that coats the mouth and leaves that flavor lingering in such a it nice way. It does have an oiliness to it, yeah. not, and and that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good thing. Well, the oiliness, uh, I don't know if we talk about this all that often, but the oiliness, when you have a, a liquor that has that kind of oiliness to it, it really coats the mouth with flavor. It, yes. it lingers in the mouth and it coats it, the mouth with flavor. It has a and so instead of just getting the sort of alcohol burn, right, you get this flavor that kind of goes all over your taste. And buds. it generally has a warmer kind of feel to it overall versus more of a burning kind. I'm of feel telling you, Ian, this is a good tequila. It's pretty round tasting. Yes, like round. Yes, and sweet. It has the round and, sweet uh, notes to it and. You can certainly get the agave. There's almost a butteriness to it. There's a buttery and a vanilla. Yes, uh, the vanilla, vanilla bean. And again, that generally comes from the aging in the oak barrel. Mm-hmm. So to get that in a reposado, again, and the, I'm, and I'm the caramelized impressed. sugar kind of flavors mm-hmm. that you get too. Uh, what's funny is the agave is there, but it's not the most. It's not like like on a lot of them, it's so present. Right, like some, it's almost what you taste, no matter particularly what. Particularly blancos or reposados. Just have that very, and I can enjoy that flavor, but that very agave flavor going for them. I bet that makes a ridiculous margarita. I bet it does, because it's got the sweetness to it already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I bet that does make a ridiculous So if you have a, a margarita mix that's not sweet, or you make a fresh margarita mix mm-hmm. that, that doesn't have a lot of sweetness to it, which is my favorite, uh, something like that's going to add the sweetness naturally and and probably make it just outstanding. Wow, that's very very good. I don't know that I would have predicted I would like it quite that much. I I was, I was, sort of expecting it to be good, but like the type of thing where you go, this would be really good in margaritas. But I'll still go with something else for drinking it straight. This yes, is it, this is better than and some, especially from from a company. Here. You know, most companies when you buy the gift set, you get the. The bottle, and you get the shot glass beside it, not right. inside it. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's not as practical as some of the other gift sets, but, uh, but I'm yeah. teasing them because it's funny. But that's. <laughs> I kind of love it. The bottle looks awesome. Yeah, that's that's absolutely yeah. absolutely. Well, right. you know, the Milagro has that blown uh, on the inside of their glass. Has that blown uh, agave plant mm-hmm. that looks so awesome, especially when the light hits it. Well, uh, it's. I would recommend it very, very highly. I'd give this, especially based on the price, I'd give this a very, very strong thumbs My up. wife's going to listen to this show. She's yep. probably watching it right now. She's going to listen to this show, and she's going to be like, I'm going to buy that and make a margarita. <laughs> well, tell her I'll bring it to the music meeting she can see. <laughs> there you so. go. That sounds good. So craft beer has been described as, uh, in a recent article as having the strangest, happiest economic story in America. And the subtitle for the article is that corporate giants... Goliaths, it says, are taking over the U.S. economy, yet small breweries are thriving. Why? And it goes on to say, in almost every economic sector, including television, books, movies, groceries, pharmacies, and advertising, a handful of companies control an enormous share of the market. And the beer industry has actually been one of the worst offenders. They go on to say the refreshing simplicity of Blue Moon or the vanilla smoothness of Boddington's or the classic brightness of a Pilsner or Cal or the bourbon barrel stouts of Goose Island are all owned by either Anheuser-Busch or InBev Miller Coors. Right. Uh, and as recently as 2012, these two duopolies controlled nearly 90% of beer production. But in the last decade, something strange and extraordinary, the article says, has happened between 2008 and 2016. The number of brewery establishments expanded by a factory of six and the number of brewery workers grew by 120 percent. A 2,000-year-old industry has sextupled in establishments and more than doubled its workforce in less than a decade. Even more incredibly, this has happened during a time when Overall, U.S. beer consumption has declined. So it goes on to tell the story of how amazing the whole craft brew legend is right now, and how this is one of it's very. I highly recommend the story. In fact, we'll make sure that we post a link to this in the uh, in the show notes. It's from an article written by Derek Thompson, and it's uh, from the Atlantic. Daily is where this well, actually appears. Well, I think appeared. right now, uh, this in the last ten years, let's say, 
we've had uh, so many people that they've been around craft brews enough now to where it's not unusual, it's not different, it's not right. strange. And so many people are more open to just trying different things, not instead of like the same old, same old that they always That's have. right. Another article that actually references the one that I just shared uh, from the Atlantic Monthly, uh, the Atlantic Magazine, uh, that called Craft Beer the Strangest, Happiest Economic Story in America. Um, this lays out the four big questions, the four pressing questions for craft beer in 2018. So here's what they are. We'll see if you agree. The first one, can local breweries sustain additional locations? Um, that's, it's a great question. Like, uh, take a brewery like oh, here in Houston, let's say um, uh, the guys downtown that are so close to our uh, where we Eighth both Wonder. live. Uh, Eighth Wonder, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it like Eighth Wonder. They're doing a great job of serving their community, mm-hmm. uh, getting their beer out into at least Houston area stores. You can find them in the grocery store. You can find them all over. Yep. Could they sustain another location? Could they open in Austin or Dallas-Fort Worth or even Katy or, or you know, Sugarland or something? I think it would depend on the business plan because a lot of restaurants <laughs> do that, local chains, you mm-hmm. know? No, that's true. I and a local on... chain is nothing to, you know, scoff at. A good local chain is great. The question number two, can corporate craft take over the country? Uh, it says here, purchasing respected craft brewery brands like Goose Island and Elysian was the first step in the beer conglomerate's plan to take back their market share from the independents. Now we're entering phase two, an attempt to expand those brands uh, through the proliferation of brew pubs. And so if you think about it, and uh, uh, listen, if there was a Goose Island beer pub that opened near me, I'd go. I yeah. know it's owned by AB, but still, I like their beer. Yeah. They produce some fantastic beer. Like, I would totally go to that. So this is the next, uh, you know, this is the next uh, question. Um, Ballast Point, which is owned by Constellation mm-hmm. Spirits, uh, has said they plan to add to their seven existing tasting room locations by opening in the Chicago area and in the downtown Disney District in Anaheim. Um, will this succeed in legitimizing corporate craft beer? That remains to be seen, but that's question number two. Question number three, is the hazy IPA here to stay? Is this part of the, the, big, the big things uh, uh, that we've talked about with the unfiltered or hazy IPAs? The question is, do these have staying power or is it a momentary trend? It says that's question number three. And question number four, could craft light become a big thing? We've asked that question. I think it could. If the beer is good. Because let's face it, I could stand to lose a pound or two. I wouldn't mind drinking a light beer every once in a while, but I need to drink something good. It's part of why we did the 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 craft beer, uh, the light beer uh, blind taste test. Is go okay, what what really works here? Yangling, yep. Yangling light, if you can get it, and that omission light, which is the one that's also gluten free. I thought those were pretty good beers. Like I would put those in my regular beer rotation. Although I do have some of the other light beers, I have you know, some of the Tecate Light and the Lone Star Light left in the fridge, and I do find that when I go for a beer, and I'm like, oh man, those are the only ones cold. I'm a little disappointed. So. You know, a lot of times those end up being cooking beers. Yes, yes, or dishwashing beers. Not that I wash the dishes with them, but I reward myself with a beer when I wash the oh. dishes, and I'm usually happy at that point to have any beer of any kind. I think we're coming from different directions. When I say cooking beers, I'll usually use that in the actual. I food. understand. <laughs> I knew I knew what you were getting at. All right, we'll be back. We've got a taste of Caddy Wampus here, and uh, we still have a couple of interesting things to report to you, including, by the way, craft beer is not the only thing doing well. U.S. whiskey exploded in 2017. Love that in terms of revenue. We'll tell you about that coming up. On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. This is the radio program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to show number 75 of Smoking and Toasting. Silver Jubilee. Complete with high quality sound effects that you don't get in other shows. No, we don't. We don't scrimp on the sound machine. Yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely don't. We definitely don't. Hey, uh, Ian, I wanted to mention this. We've actually talked about this place before. 
Uh, and it's closing. It's in Austin, Texas. It's on 6th Street. It's the Babalu Cigar Shop. You know the place mm-hmm. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, they're closing. They say homelessness and other downtown problems are forcing them to close the wow. store. Now, they do have another location, so they'll just be transferring everything over to the other location. And to be honest, it wasn't my favorite cigar store in the world. Uh, their cigars, are, I thought, were okay, but they just, you know, they own, it was one of those places that only sold their own uh, right, products. Right, right. And unlike uh, Manny uh, down in El Cabano. Uh, uh, El Cabano, yeah, which his products are great. I, I thought some of those were okay, and, and others I didn't, I didn't like so much. But I love what they were doing, and they would roll cigars there on the premises and, and do all of that. Uh, and unfortunately, those guys have now uh, closed after 21 years on East 6th Street. Uh, they're moving everything to their North Austin location on Burnett Road. That reminds me, I have to go see Manny. I think I smoked my last El Cubano. Manny at El Cubano. A big shout out to Manny. We he was honestly one of the best guests we've ever. He had was on so this fun, wasn't he? He was so good and so fun. And by the way, big shout out to uh, to so many of the great guests that we've had in the past. Uh, in the past nine or ten shows, I mean, we really have had some amazing yeah. people on the show who've who've done just a, a, a wonderful job. Well, let's face it, we're fun to be around. We are fun to be around because you know, <laughs> I think mostly because of the smoking and drinking. But yes, we are fun to be around. <laughs> we are fun to be around. U.S. whiskey makers, check this out. Revenue, domestic revenue in the United States for U.S. whiskey makers was up. Eight point one percent in twenty seventeen. Good for the industry. U.S. whiskey is on fire, and uh, American whiskey makers, um, just stirred by the consumers' thirst for their their product. I also, mean, they have to employ somebody, great. right? Demand grew in the U.S. and overseas as well as distilled spirits industry uh, gained market share. But uh, but combining U.S. revenues for bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, and rye whiskey, it was up. Two hundred and fifty-two million to three point four billion, eight point one percent or two hundred fifty-three million to that was what. Okay, let me let me say this again. Combined U.S. revenues for bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, and rye whiskey rose eight point one percent or a rise of two hundred and fifty-two million dollars to a total of three point four billion in twenty seventeen. Now I got that information. Speaking of Tennessee whiskey, have you heard Warren Haynes sing that song? Oh man! Uh, oh, see, no, because I'm—I probably was afraid it would be a jam band thing, and I stayed away from it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Warren Haynes like only does jam band thing when it's uh when it's the Allman Brothers. When okay. He's doing his own thing. Okay. It's blues rock. All right. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. Government Mule kills. Yeah. It. Uh, Government Mule is actually quite good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a song that Billy Gibbons plays guitar on. <sighs> broke down on the Brazos. Oh man, broke down on the Brazos is incredible. That's one of Thank my you for favorite reminding me of the lines. Titles. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I ain't had the blues yet today. But I can feel it coming but on. But I can feel it coming on. That song is so <laughs> I good. I love that. That song is so good. I absolutely love it. You know, I haven't had a barrel-aged <clears throat> sour stout today. Oh. But I can feel a little cattywampus coming on. There hey, it is. It. That's the sound effect you've been looking for <laughs> for the whole show, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Yes. Um, I knew you could do it, Cruz. <laughs> so let's talk a little about Caddy Wampus. First of all, it's an interesting bottle. Let me show this to the camera. It's it's a uh, um, for those of you from the north, by the way, funk, as they call it. For those of you from the north, Caddy Wampus actually means something's a little off kilter. Yeah, some, something just slightly <laughs> off. <laughs> That's that's not something you hear, you know, if you're walking around so in New right, England. Right in the middle, right. <laughs> <laughs> so do that New England accent and just uh, slip yeah, the word cattywampus right, in uh, there. Do that for it's, me. It's wicked pissa. It was cattywampus. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, does it? Uh, a pack the cab by the hobo, cattywampus. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Uh, so Nola Brewing Company, uh, out of New Orleans, Louisiana, of course, and Brewery Tarot, which you're yeah, quite familiar with, Brewery right? Yeah, Brewery uh, So they got together, and I love... This trend of breweries collaborating. The collaborations, yeah. I just, and that's something, you know, you talk about the competitiveness that's always existed between, let's say, even though now they're kind of owned by the same sort of giant conglomerate, but like between Anheuser-Busch and Miller, right? Right. Uh, as they've been the big beer giants over the years, a huge competition between those two. Uh, and yet that kind of competitive spirit doesn't seem to jibe with the spirit of Okay, but I want to I want to pause on that. Okay, okay, because that competitive spirit between um, light beer A and light beer B um, isn't that they're trying to compare their beers. They haven't changed those beers in so long 
that it doesn't matter. They can't actually compete those two beers together because they've, they've been the same for years and years and years. They changed the packaging, and they're competitive with their commercials and the packaging. Right. Like, that's it. That's the only thing they're competitive with. All right, not to detour, but I want to ask you this question. All through the holiday season, on everything I watched on television, whether it was sports or things, other things that I couldn't fast-forward through the commercials, I kept seeing this ad for Anheuser-Busch in this special uh, pre-prohibition uh, amber beer. I would try it. Right. Can't find it. I looked for it everywhere. I looked every I place could I not went. Find, I wanted to try it on the show. I went to that part of the beer aisle that I never go to, the part with all the blue and the red boxes. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? And they're just stacked to the ceiling. I looked for it. I looked for it again when I went and got beers for the, huh? the light beer show. I've never seen it actually in person. I saw it, just the ads like And you. they must have spent a billion dollars advertising that. Honestly, that ad was on Where'd so much. Where did it go? Does anyone did anyone get to taste did that? Anyone try it? Right. I don't understand. I like. I just. You but know. then I don't understand the dilly dilly ads either. So what do I know? <laughs> right, well, Let's get that. back to real beer. Uh, Nola and uh, Brewery Toro have uh, have gotten together and they put funk on the label. You do realize if this has flavor, you're going to spend time in the pit of misery. <laughs> yes, I am because it's a cattywampus barrel aged sour stout that I. Really been enjoying, or at least that's what I would. Uh, that's what I would be likely to say. So anyway, it does come in a big bomber and uh, looks like a actually looks like, like a 750 milliliter uh, wine bottle is what it actually is what it actually looks like. In fact, I'll show this again to the camera. That is a straight up wine it. bottle. Right it is there. a right. It actually looks like a wine bottle, except that it had the beer uh, cap top to it uh pours out with some viscosity but then again it is a stout so you would expect some of that uh, but it is a barrel aged sour stout and it's a collaboration you know i could smell that from over here when you open these, the bottle yeah between these two breweries and here's what it says on the bottle it says park and wild dark and wild i'm sorry i misread <laughs> dark and wild like a moonless night down the bayou this rich sour stout is the combination of two former Crescent City homebrews turned pro barrel wranglers. Mixed cultures, mixed barrels, and slightly cattywampus. It is 6.8% and it is 1 pint and 9.4 fluid ounces to the bottle. So, interestingly enough, um, uh -huh. because I have done my research. Yes, of course. Interestingly enough, this has more carbonation than you'd expect from any stout. Mm -hmm. It also has a much, much lighter mouthfeel than you would ever expect from a stout. Well, most of the barrel-aged stouts have got your chewiness going on. Yeah. You know? It is a robust flavor. Mm -hmm. It uh, is not lacking on sour. Mm -mm. I mean... I was about to say, the sour comes through. There is much sour. It almost tastes more like a sour than it tastes like a stout. Right. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is, the tail end of it, when you finish a sour, you're left with a bitter sourness, mm -hmm. much like much like a good lemonade or something like that. You get that they're a little right, sweet, right. but you end up with but that. But you enjoy that sour. Yeah. Right. You enjoy that. Or even like a good, uh, uh, what do you call it, Sour Patch Kids mm -hmm. when you're at the movies, because, mm -hmm. I mean, who doesn't eat those at the movies? <laughs> <laughs> you can exactly. always tell the person has got it, too, because the package is like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You cannot be quiet with that package. <laughs> it's like, shut up. I'm watching Star Wars. But, oh, Sour but at the tail end of that, it leaves you with a malt and fruitiness. Yes, that's what's interesting. The like a dark sour cherry kind of fruitiness, and then you get that dark cherry. cherry. Yeah, yes, yeah, big time. I was almost going to say raisin, but it is more of a dark cherry, right? Flavor. Or plum even, mm -hmm. like plum, like but but the bitter part of a plum, like the skin or right next to the skin, you know, kind of thing. Mm. And it's good. It's it's mm. a really interesting, really wonderful thing. It's really interesting. It's part of the NOLA Funk series, it says on the bottle. But that's really about all the information that they give us. That and what I well, read just, about the Just uh, to come full circle on the show today. down the bayou. I'm for it. Okay. Well, it's good to know because, <laughs> because you know, Ian, you're you're so generally vague about what you like. <laughs> right. You know, that it's good to know that. You never know right. with me. I'm, you know. Um, so I will say that I'm, I, I was expecting it to be. Uh, thicker and have more of chewiness and viscosity to it. In not doing so, it winds up almost being a sessionable stout. Well, it's also much lighter than a lot of stouts in, yeah. the, uh, in the alcohol category, especially what you'd expect in a bomber. Because mm -hmm. you know, most anything you pick up that says stout in a bomber is usually pretty serious. <laughs> it starts yeah. at like seven oh, percent, oh, yeah, right? Of this course. was what six point five. Yeah, said? I think six point 
five. Is that right? Uh, six point eight. Six point eight. Yeah. So yeah. you're getting there, but you know, I'd have to say that is that's impressive. That's a good share. I I this would be. I tell you what, and this is to me, this is what bombers were meant to be, which is a bomber should be that bottle that's a little bit special, mm-hmm. and you open it up when a friend comes over, and you kind of you share, share it, it right, and yeah. enjoy it together, and that. This fills that bill for me. Like this would be if you came over, we just opened this up, kind of like we just did on the show. I mean, it'd be, uh, but it, but it'd be it'd be the right vibe, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. Like oh, I'll take a little more of that. Yeah, because there's a lot of times in a bombers, the beers are so rich. You uh-huh. know, the 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 ales and beers or whatever you want to call them, they're so rich that a full bomber of it is just a little much. It's not, unless it's Brother yeah. Thelonious, by the way. Yes, um, I have in the past. Um, enjoyed a full bomber of that myself. Um, <laughs> well, it, listen. This, while at home. But you're right. The cattywampus <laughs> is not what I'm going to open while I do the dishes. Right, right. You know, uh, that's going to You'd have to have yeah. a lot of dishes, yes, by the yes, way. Yeah. But I, sometimes I do. So, uh, <laughs> but, but the point is, yeah, it's not it's not quite the beer for that. But for sharing with a friend, uh, I'm going to recommend it pretty highly. Again, if you don't like sours, you're probably not going to like it. Well, yeah, and Brewery Tarot, that's their thing. The mm-hmm. sours, mm-hmm. like they have so many flavors of sours mm. uh, going on, and they're so good at it. Well, hats off to Brewery Tarot, and hats off and to uh, everyone who's been involved in getting us to show number 75. What did you call it? The Silver Jubilee, I think Silver it was. Silver Jubilee. I could be episode? completely wrong on that, but I'm going to stick by it, even if I am wrong. That's what I love about you. You'll just, when you, once you plant your flag, you it's it's there. I'm bulldogging this one. Yeah, if I'm yeah. not right on the Silver Jubilee thing, we're changing what Silver Ju- Silver Jubilee means. That that works for me. <laughs> All right, a lot of great things to come in future shows including uh uh several more on location shows. We are even planning uh at some time in the spring a California trip so we can uh, taste us some California brews and uh, maybe do a little uh, examination of some California I've, I've smoke heard shops. The, the California yeah. knows how to party. <laughs> It's interesting. I've heard that, too. <laughs> Just recently I heard that. Uh, I'm trying to remember where. Uh, thank you for listening to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to uh, Adam for producing. And uh, and thanks to everybody who's been a part of getting us to show number 75. Here's to the next 75. And uh, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Headed down the bio. Caddy Wampus. Interrupting all programs.